line between light and dark is so very thin. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to episode 15 of Becoming Legend, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. I am one of your hosts, Tweezy. Uh, as you can see, there is no Bird today, unfortunately. Bird uh, uh, and I were unable to make our schedules align in a way where we could both be on the podcast, but we wanted to make sure that we got an episode out for you guys. So I'm just going to go ahead. This is a topic that I had suggested. Uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and run with it, man. You know. Uh, here we are, as I am recording it, it is the 27th, so we are at the, the last week of Solstice of Heroes, and for a lot of New Light players, who is uh, the people that we really try to focus some of our content towards, is some of those new players that haven't played the game, um, you might not understand the significance of Solstice of Heroes. Why is it an event that happens every year? Why do we care why are we grinding out these armors? And so I wanted to make sure that that I hopped on. I know I like to complain. I don't like doing Iron Banners. Uh, Solstice of Heroes is a grind. Um, but I wanted to make sure that we we take a step back and from a lore perspective, really uh, take a look at why uh, the Solstice of Heroes is such an, uh, an important event in the, the yearly cycle of Destiny 2. Um, so let's just jump into it. Oh my goodness, I'm doing my best uh, Philly D impression today. Uh, but let's jump into it. Uh, there's some exciting stuff to talk about. Um, obviously, uh, as a as a review of kind of what we're going to talk about today, for those of you that are interested, we are going to talk uh, about the histories of Solstice of Heroes. We're going to talk a little bit about the new shotgun, the Compass Rose that was introduced, as well as talk about the lore that we learned uh, about on all three uh, pieces of Solstice armor that you can unlock. So, with that being said, let's go. So, Solstice of Heroes. Uh, it was first actually introduced in in the Destiny lore in the Warmind DLC. Warmind was the second official DLC of Destiny Two after, obviously, uh, the somewhat disastrous launch of Destiny Two. I believe it was. Uh, Okay, I'm going to say this, and, and this might be wrong, but I believe that the developers were Raven Studios, who are currently, you know, the ones responsible for doing Call of Duty Warzone. Um, I may or may not be mistaken on that, so so please forgive me. Um, but Warmind is also one of the big DLCs in Destiny 2's history because that uh, is really the point in which the game started remembering like what it was really about. Uh, in Destiny, there's a, a lot of uh, focus in, in some of the hardcore community about secrets that have been hidden in the game that that are hard to figure out and these secrets go super deep like we're talking about people using uh all sorts of cryptology to kind of break ciphers like it gets real deep there was actually a uh like i think it was a morse code thing in the video for the warmind dlc that gave away coordinates to a real life location where a geocache of a of a javelin was hidden uh somewhere it was like a park in new york or something like that anyways i'm getting so off topic 
uh, Warmind is the DLC which we were first introduced with Solstice of Heroes. Now, why is this timing important? Um, that is because Solstice of Heroes is an event that we celebrate. Uh, it's kind of the Guardian's version of Memorial Day. Solstice of Heroes is for us to remember the Guardians who we lost when the tower was attacked by Gaul and the Cabal forces at the beginning of the Red War, which obviously, uh, for New Lights, that was the very first campaign that came out uh, in vanilla Destiny 2 was the Red War campaign. Uh, so, I think actually one of the first sets of armor that EVA offers players at the beginning of the event in Warmind it was a whole bunch of ruined sets of armor from guardians who fell during the red war. If you looked at the lore of those pieces of armor, they would actually be descriptions about uh, how this guardian died or how that guardian died and how Gaul trapping the traveler and, and cutting all of the guardians off from the light really, uh, you know, how that felt to guardians. So, I think there's actually a direct quote. I am going off notes, guys, so just forgive me. This is so that I can keep myself on track, because as you can tell, I like to ramble. I can talk about this stuff for days. Uh, she tells us to take this armor to the Statue of Heroes, dear. Try to think about everyone who came before you, everyone who made it possible to stand here in this tower today. Now, outside of lore reasons, one of the other big things behind the Solstice of Heroes was that this is an opportunity uh, Traditionally, anyways, uh, new expansions of Destiny 2 would drop in the fall, like September, October area. And so this is one of the last events that players are going to get that was going to allow them, uh, you know, as the season is wrapping up, one of the last events that's going to allow them to get high power gear that is going to take them into the expansion. That's a lot of what uh the solstice of heroes armors was meant to do that's why it was such a grind the grind element of it was because you were getting gear at a power level that was above what you could accomplish just by playing the game so that's why it was so important to grind it so what is solstice of heroes for those of you that are listening it is an opportunity for us guardians to train and meditate Eva Levante approached Ikora Ray, and with the with the help of the Tower Warlocks, they raised damaged portions of the Lost City, portions of the of the Last City, not the Lost City, portions of the Last City that had been uh, destroyed during the Red War. They decided to reuse those portions, raise them up into the sky to allow us to train. So what we know about the EAZ is actually that this portion of the EAC is formerly known as the Peregrine District. Uh, it was heavily in damaged during uh, the Red War by the Cabal, and then later we, the Guardians, we, the Player Guardians specifically, uh, crashed uh, one of our ships there in an effort to help retake the city and, and free the Traveler. So this is an area that we've been to before. This is an area that we know. Uh, also, there is reference to the Peregrine District in the lore. Uh, there's a lore entry uh, in an old lore book called Ghost Stories uh, where we believe, or as a result of, of this, we believe that the Peregrine District is also the home of the Peregrine Institute of Higher Learning, one of the city's bastions of education. Uh, the lore book in question, if you guys ever want to go back and read it, uh, it is kind of like a philosophical debate between two guardianless ghosts, Balthazar and Peach, and they're they're kind of just 
having that religious argument of, about uh, what is predestined and, and what is is free will uh, in in a weird sort of way. It was a it was a you know one reference in a lore book that I don't think anybody can really finish anymore, uh, but is definitely something cool, especially once you start to see all of these details that that go into it. They reuse these locations, blah blah blah. So that's the old. Got that out of the way. Let's talk about the new stuff, all right? Uh, Compass Rose uh, is the new shotgun. Uh, you get it just by completing, as you go through the quest steps uh, with Eva Levante, she will give you um, the Compass Rose. It is it's a pretty decent shotgun. It's not great. It's not terrible. I am not a shotgun main. But what is interesting about this is the lore that is attached to it, right? So this lore continues the story that we've been kind of sort of knowing about for a while, and this involves Mithrax. So, the, our first experience with Mithrax in Destiny 2 was the Outbreak Perfected mission, where we found out that Aramis uh, was trying to invade the, the old tower to get access to uh, the Outbreak Prime weapon, which was a SIVA-infused, or a SIVA-powered weapon. Uh, SIVA, for those of you who did not listen to any of our past episodes, uh, as a real quick thing, SIVA is basically nanobots. Uh, it is it is a, uh, a technology that the, the Brays are responsible for uh, discovering. And what it does is it, it gives people the ability to, to build cities in days. Like, it is... It is uh, great technology, but was not really secured, and so was left vulnerable to, uh, you know, killing everybody. Anyways, so uh, we we first experienced him with with that mission with Siva, uh, and because of the lore that was attached to the Outbreak Prime uh, or Outbreak Perfected, I can't remember which one it is. One of them is the Destiny One weapon. One of them is the Destiny Two weapon. They're the same gun, just different names. Uh, there's a lore entry talking uh, about uh, Mithrax's fire team. There is actually a hunter and a warlock that have gone around and, and kind of helped Mithrax do some things around the system, but there's not a whole lot of lore around them. In fact, the, the warlock and the hunter are still, as of this day, unnamed. So we're hoping that we're going to get to hear their names uh, moving on in the future. But the reason why they are important is because the Compass Rose's lore is Mithrax's old fire team showing back up in the city. They come, they visit Zavala's office, and they begin talking to him. Uh, they, I think there's a, a, a part where uh, they walk into Zavala's office. He says he wasn't expecting anybody. Uh, and then they go to explain who they are, and Zavala cuts them off. He's like, I know who you are. He knows that this is, uh, these are the guardians who have been working with Mithrax, kind of help... Cement the bond that Mithrax has uh, towards the light and towards continuing to try and support the Traveler and uh, those who possess the light uh, in the ways that he has ever since uh, our last encounter with him. So these Guardians visit the office. One of the first things that they talk about is like, what is Zavala's plans for the Elixni who are occupied in the city? You know, how are they going to be treated? Mithrax's folks are, you know, a it's a very small house, the House of Light. Uh, and 
especially with what we've learned with House of Light, especially with some of the things we've talked about, again, in prior podcasts, talking about the Elixni history, there's not a whole lot of Elixni houses left. Uh, and they are, by all accounts, this just, um, they're just surviving, it is really all that it is for them. There's nothing really elegant to it. Right now, it's just pure survival uh, or facing extinction. So Zavala and them talk, and they talk about how the, the portion of the city that the Elixni are, are currently in, the House of Light, is currently in, uh, the plan is to rebuild that area into a learning annex, actually, where Elixni and humanity are going to be able to meet and we can trade ideas or language and culture, very similar to the way that Crow uh, kind of became a guardian uh, when he was working with uh, Spider and really getting to know all of the fallen. Uh, then when pressed a little bit further about what does that mean for the Elixni who are living there, like, what are you going to do with them? Are they going to be kicked out of the city? That that seems kind of rude. Uh, Zavala also confirmed that their plans are to move the Elixni into the city itself, which is surprising if we're going to be real, uh, especially given how Lakshmi 2 has been uh, acting, uh, especially considering that many people in the city still don't know how to feel about the Elixni because for so long they have been the enemy that really starting to see both sides uh, is kind of, it, it's new and it's, it's going to be, it's a massive change. It's going to take time. Um, and then Zavala kind of gets to ask his own question. I think Ikora Ray comes in and, and, you know, the, the Vanguard as it were asks the question, have you guys spoken with, uh, with Mithrax yet? Like, have you guys, you know, are you guys good? Like, what's what's up? What what are you guys doing? And they they tell you know Zavala and Ikora, honestly, no, we haven't. Given everything that's happened on Europa and everything that's been going on, uh, we just we haven't really found the the best time to go and talk to him and, and just see how he's doing. Um, and they're like, but also we don't want to bother him because he is he is. Misra Kel, he is the Kel of the House of Light. He is the leader of a house now. And so they understand that there are some pressures to that, that, you know, he can't hang out with the boys like he used to. Uh, <laughs> so because of that, while they're continuing to work on uh, where the Elixir are going to live, what Zavala and Ikora propose to the Guardians is that while they're staying in the city, they help the Vanguard monitor and, and help continue to bring up a new guardian who is outside of the city and who is outside of the city well it's crow guys crow is still not allowed to enter the city maskless because of who he was you know and and if we want proof of that look no further than the new ghost shell that came out filigree of light right pretty much it's a, it's a very short lore entry pretty much all that happens in the filigree of light is they talk about how crow is on the outside scouting into the city and how he's kind of jealous of Glint because Glint gets to, to run around and play with the Elixni. He talks about how he is going to continue to watch over the Elixni and make sure that they integrate well with the citizens of the city, continuing to step in if he needs to, like he had, you know, to, to really be like, no, like we are going to treat the Elixni well. He is not afraid to step in. Um, but yeah, you know, Glint is playing with Ashlings. It's the cutest thing. So it's very important, though, that 
Zavala and Ikora are really building this up. We are like, you know, from a taking a couple steps back, you know, uh, when we first started this process with Crow or with, uh, you know, the former Aldrin Sov, we, we've talked about in, in so many episodes of this podcast how it's, let's be, let's be honest, it's very interesting to see whether or not Crow is going to take over as the Hunter Vanguard. If the Vanguard itself is going to fall, like what's going to happen? We've talked a lot about Cade's, you know, about the dare, about the fact that whoever kills, killed Cade, which technically is Crow, whatever. You know, I was like, was Aldrin Sov? Uh, killed by the player guardian, resurrected is now crow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so we know that they've been building him towards uh, eventually taking over as Hunter Vanguard. But as we continue to take more and more steps into the story, as they continue to drop more and more pieces of lore like this, it really does seem like not only is he going to become the the Hunter Vanguard. But they're also going to build him up as well. Because remember, when when we first started talking about Crow being a guardian uh, at the very beginning of the year, he wasn't really very good. Like, he was a hunter, but he, he was, you know, as a result of not really being brought up by the guardians, not really trained very well. He, you know, he he wasn't the, the greatest guardian that existed. So uh, it's nice to see that he's he's becoming... Uh, a bigger and bigger character. Uh, but I'm curious what this is going to mean. You know, again, uh, we, we talk about all of the different lore things that have been going on. Crow uh, sings the song of the city or he whistles the Savathun song whenever you stand around him long enough. You know, is he corrupted? Who knows? Uh, this, yeah. Anyways. So uh, with that being said, that's going to bring us to one of the last items that I really wanted to talk about, which is the solstice armors now i know we talked about uh at the top of the show how in seasons past uh the lore has changed you know in Warmind, it was all about the guardians who lost their um lost their light and, and perished during the invasion of the city in the red war uh, i think it was in season of the opulence you got pieces of lore that told you about what Cade and ikora and zavala were doing when uh, the city was taken when the light was gone. Uh, obviously, they they corresponded to the subclass that you, that you got the pieces of armor on, but that yeah, that was the thing. Uh, there was also pieces of lore that were kind of talking about the darkness. Um, so what happened this season? What happened with this solstice of heroes with the armors? So we're just gonna break them down. Each piece of armor has different sets of lore, but they all tie in together. And these, these lore entries are all about Mithrax's daughter, Ido. All right, and we learn a lot about Ido and why she's such a significant character in this. So we're just going to go into it. I've got it kind of broken down in my notes. Uh, we're going to go Warlock, Hunter, and then Titan. It is not because I am a Warlock main right now and that I play Warlocks and that I think Warlocks are better than Hunters. It's it's not that at all. <laughs> no, uh, it is. Honestly, it is uh, because I think this is uh, one of the best ways to kind of tell the stories. Uh, I think this is one of the best orders that we can tell it in. So that's what we're going to do. Um, so the Celestian armor is the Warlock armor. Pretty much what this set of armor is about is that 
Ido has been tasked with taking care of a, a set of small Elixir hatchlings. And so in order to quell them, in order to get them to quiet down and behave, she starts telling them old Elixni legends. And so the Elixni legends are the smallest Screeb, the six-armed hatchling, the hungriest thrall, the hatchler whose mother was a catch, and the shank with a bad spirit. Now, all of these things teach very important lessons. You know, the shank with the bad spirit is a story about how there was an engineer who was in a bad mood when he built the shank, uh, which was responsible for protecting his uh, his family, his, you know, like responsible for protecting his family and his clan, his house uh, while they were away. And because he was in such a bad mood, he didn't do a good job. And as a result of that, all of his people died. And so it was a, it was a lesson about, you know, giving everything your all. Uh, there was a thing with a six-armed hatchling about, you know, there was a hatchling that was born with six arms and how it was glad to give up two of them when its arms got docked because, you know, it, it had two to spare. You know, it could still be useful. But the, the story that is the most important is the hatchling whose mother was a catch. And the reason why the hatchling whose mother was a catch is one of the most important stories is because... Uh, this is a story that we believe to be a version of Ido's backstory. The hatchling whose mother was a catch is, is about uh, a small Elixni hatchling who was found uh, by an eventual Kel you know, hidden in the bowels of a ship. Doesn't know their parents at all. Uh, and what we know about Ido and what we know about Mithrax is that Mithrax is her adopted father. And so we, we think, based off of the way that this story was written, this is just a uh, a retelling of uh, her backstory, and I thought it was super cute. Uh, the Hunter Armor is next. Uh, that is the Illuminous set. And what's important about the Illuminous set is that this sets the history on Ido. So it's a whole bunch of stories about Ido growing up with Mithrax. So one of the first stories is, is talking about a dream that she's had where she's visited by the Techians of the Dreaming City. You know, what we know about the Techians is that they're very much like the... I think Mithrax actually refers to them as the scribes of the Awoken. They're the ones that keep all of the knowledge. And so what's in, what we remember from this is that she, she dreams about being visited by them and, and seeing it as a sign. Another piece of, of armor lets us know about how she has learned the respect and reverence that all of the houses had for the House of Judgment. You know, they, the story talks about how uh, she is learning about the importance of scribes and about how uh, it's very difficult for for everyone to get along. And, and, you know, her father was like, well, House Judgment was the one that set everything straight. Nobody went against House Judgment, you know. Uh, and, and so I think that was a story that really talks about the pride and, and, and the joy that she learns. This is like the beginning path to lead her to being a scribe is that she understands that the power that the scribe has in passing the judgment of the house uh, by learning about house judgment. So, it, again, it, important. Uh, we'll see if Ido ends up being an important character later. Uh, there's a story about her trying to train with her father and becoming a splicer, and it just doesn't work out. You know, she she is unable to to focus enough to really be able to manipulate uh, the gauntlet in the same way that that her father can. 
And it's it's nice because he's like, you know what? That's okay. Like you tried, and this is not for you. That is not a failure. That is learning. Like we're we're just we'll figure out what's right for you. You know, cute dad moments. Uh, <laughs> you know, eventually what that ends up leading to is she leaves to go and visit the Dreaming City and to learn from the Techians. You know, she sees it in the same way that she sees uh, any information that comes from the old scribes of the old houses. Like there may be more history there about the Elixir and about their cultures that they just don't have because, you know, one of the easiest things to do once you defeat a house is to kill their scribe. By killing their scribe, by killing their history, you know, history is written by the victors, as, as we all know. So her hopes are to learn from the Techians as much as she can, as fast as she can, because Mithrax, you know, really imparts to her, hey, like, I don't know how much time you have. I don't know when I'm going to have to call you back, like, but I, I will need you soon. And she's like, well, I'm going to learn as much as I can, as fast as I can while I'm there. Um, and then the last story from the set is one that kind of sets us up on some really weird footing. Uh, it was her first encounter with Guardians on Europa. Her and, and Mithrax kind of sat back and looked over as we picked over the bones of our enemies. You know, and... It's not really a great story because, you know, we're painted in a bad light. You know, like we are these incredibly destructive beings. No thought put into it whatsoever. Enemy in front of us, we shoot it, we kill it. That's that's just what we do. Uh, so just kind of talking about the morality and, and whether or not we are the right people to be pairing with. And, and, and Mithrax obviously is, you know, talks about how, yes, they, they have a lot of power, but they also have uh, power to do good and power to be good. So. Yeah, uh, that leads us to the last set of armor, the Sunstead armor. This is the Titan's armor. And this set of armor is really a whole bunch of like notes from Ido's time in the city and, and interacting with, with the human in the city. So there's like there's a, a quick story about her witnessing two people kissing uh, and what her thoughts about that were. There was notes about her uh, seeing people partying. There was like an exo that was drinking and partying and how she just wasn't really into it. Uh, there was some other stuff though that was that was really interesting as well. Uh, there was an engineer who had a misunderstanding uh, between the way that human culture, uh, city culture, what have you, guardian culture, and uh, elixir culture are. He was working on, on repairing a shank and didn't have the parts that he needed. And he wandered around the city and found some scrap that was left outside of someone's house. So he took it and used it to build a working shank. And there was a misunderstanding between that because apparently the parts that he took were parts that uh, somebody in the city was using to uh, build a custom sparrow with, you know, and it, it you know, they, they eventually give the parts back, but there's a misunderstanding in the sense of like in Elixir culture, if you have scrap, it is shared with the community because uh, sharing is caring. Uh, now, uh, by sharing it with the community, uh, you can continue to build bigger things uh, and it helps protect you. So there's just like a weird cultural disconnect there that we see later because this same engineer in this story, he's just trying to be helpful. You know, he's wandering around the city and he sees uh, this human come out and they're dealing with this huge machine and all the machine does is like spits out fire but doesn't do anything and then after they're done for the night the you know in, in an attempt to you know apologize and help fix things in the city the, the engineer takes the piece of equipment 
and repairs it, makes it work, it makes it run, it makes it move. And we find out that it was a grill, you know, to, to make food and, you know, not understanding that this thing was not broken. It was, it was fixed all along. It was doing what it intended to do, uh, which was to, to make a grilled food and just having that misunderstanding, even though a lot of the kids enjoyed it. They, they talked about the, the kids enjoying it because they were able to ride around and it goes pretty fast. So, um, all of that is just great because we're again, beginning to see the humanity of the elixir as they interact with us and, and, you know, the cute blunders that we have of like, oh, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, the last piece of lore is uh, the one that's, again, concerning, especially given what the, the last piece of lore that we talked about uh, in the Hunter set was. Um, Ido witnesses the Crucible. She is given uh, a feed of the Crucible. And again, it continues to resonate on that point of like, are we the right people uh, that the Elixir should partner themselves with? Because it's just destruction. Like, and we engage in it willingly. You know, uh, the Crucible may have been this this thing in the past, but what it has turned into, you know, it, it may have been this training thing in the past when we needed it, but what it has turned into is 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 uh, something that kind of concerns Ido, and and you know, maybe it's something that should concern us all with how how willing we are to just instantly rush into battle. These are questions that Ido's asking, certainly not me, but it, it's just as, as they continue to integrate with the city, you know, is there going to be friction the other way? We already know that there's friction between the humans in the city and, and the Elixir in the sense of, you know, they are our enemies. Like, why are we letting them in here? We should just defeat them the same way that we should have just defeated the Cabal and Keitel. Um, is there going to be some on the other side, which is like, you know, we can't really work with humans. We're best to, to work with our own kind because humans are just absolutely destructive and they, you know, they, they don't do good in any way, shape or form. So that's, what's very interesting, especially as we move forward towards uh, the next season, especially as we continue to build towards uh, the eventual face off against the wrath against the uh against the darkness itself. Um, you know, we're going to need as many allies as we can get. And uh, right now, you know, my concern is that Ido might be a voice uh, against us to be like, hey, like they are, you know, yes, they are powerful, but are they good kind of thing? Uh, but with that, guys, uh, I have rambled on for 30 minutes now all by myself. So obviously you can tell, uh, <laughs> obviously, uh you can tell this is a topic that I'm really passionate about, but I would love to get your feedback. Um, if you haven't already, please join our Discord. Uh, we are starting to become more active on it. There's a lot more people talking on it. If you are a part of the Discord and you are listening to this, thank you so much for your contribution to the Discord. You have no idea how much it means to us that you are sharing your time, your knowledge, uh, and and you know some of your personality to us. So thank you so much. Uh, again, if you're not a part of it, uh, I will have links to the Discord in the show notes so you guys will just be able to, to join it there. Uh, please make sure you read through the rules, do all the things, click all the things, uh, click the notification bell if you are already in Discord so you can see whenever we have Twitch streams, whenever we have YouTube videos, whenever we have podcasts go up, we try to update them uh, the moment that those goes out. But 
Yes. Also, additional, the last call to action, really, um, or second to last, really. Uh, please, if you guys are listening to this uh, through podcast services, whether it be Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, uh, you know, Overcast, for, for those of you that are kind of weird like me, uh, we would love it if you could follow us, give us a rate and review. Uh, it does mean a lot. It it does help us uh, get more people watching it, it, it and listening and, and kind of engaging with the content. Uh, we really like talking about lore of the game. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of people that are really doing it in this way. So this is, is something that we want to continue doing. So please spread the love, share it to all your friends. Uh, and and uh, we will continue to grow this thing into uh, one of the best places for lore in the Destiny 2 universe uh so with that being said my name is tweezy you guys can catch me on twitch uh it's spelled out uh x-t-w-e-e-z-i-i i will have links to my twitch and, and my twitter in the show notes i will also link bird stuff again uh shout out to bird he is he is not here uh to record this episode with me but that's okay we are going to try out this format um moving forward on days where uh we can't make this schedule work what we're just going to try and doing from from here on out is have a solo podcast with one of the two of us talking a little bit more about a topic that we want to talk about. Uh, it could be anything, maybe lore related, maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but we're going to continue to try this out and see how this works. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I am Tweezy, and I will see you guys in the next one. Later. <laughs>